I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. I'd like to take his his face off. Oh, no, not the beat! A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L. I was a little drunk. Plus, I was horny. And welcome back to Cage Old Question, where we ask, is Nicolas Cage the greatest actor alive? I'm Artoon, and this is my wife-to-be, Christina. Hello. And on this show, we watch the entire film catalog of Nicolas Cage in chronological order, working our way through 40 years of cinema. Over. Over. Through over. That's right, if you listened to our last episode, through over 40 years of cinema. As a disclaimer, this is a personal podcast not affiliated with any other third parties, and the opinions expressed herein are strictly our own. For today's episode, we are reviewing the 2002 film Adaptation. This is a big one, folks. I feel like everyone's like, ooh, Adaptation. Uh, the screenplay was written by Charlie Kaufman and Donald Kaufman, if you're counting what the Academy counted, uh, and is based on the book The Orchid Thief by Susan Orleans. Uh, the film is directed by Spike Jones. Adaptation. Here it is. The film was written by Charlie Kaufman and is credited to Charlie and Donald Kaufman. If that's how you want to do it. If that's how you want to do it. All right, so we're starting off in a battle. <laughs> do you more you want to tell us? Spoiler more, free? Spoiler free? Well, um, yeah, kind of. I actually can kind of spoiler free it. Um, the plot of the movie is, as as basic as, it, as it's going to sound, screenwriter Charlie Kaufman, played by Nicolas Cage, grows increasingly desperate trying to write the screenplay for adaptation of the book The Orchid Thief. <laughs> the following are a mix of real people and not real people. Uh, Meryl Streep plays Susan Orleans, a real person. This is the author of The Orchid Thief and a New Yorker writer. Chris Cooper plays John LaRoche, another real-life person that The Orchid Thief is based on. Tilta Swinton plays studio executive Valerie Thomas, who's not a real person, but it's probably based on a studio executive. Nicholas Cage also plays Donald Kaufman, as mentioned, Charlie Kaufman's fictional brother. That's right. Double the fun, double the cage. The entire cast of John Malkovich is playing themselves as they are in the filming of being John Malkovich. As Catherine Keener, John Malkovich, John Cusack are all there. Brian Cox plays real-life screenwriting guru Robert McGee. Robert Livingston plays Charlie's real-life agent Marty Bowen. Maggie Gyllenhaal is in this, not playing a real, real person. I did air quotes there, but she's in there. This is Adaptation. And Judy Greer. And Judy Greer. Judy Greer plays a waitress in this. She's fantastic. Oh boy, this movie is amazing. And I, so lots of people love it. If you haven't seen it, we're going to get into spoilers. And I recommend. I, and strongly recommend checking it out. So you can pause here and welcome back welcome to back. the spoilers. God, I, hope this, God, I hope this oh. is a good podcast. It's not a good podcast. It's not. It's stupid. It's stupid. This oh, oh stupid. he's doing a I'm bit because stupid, now I, if you've come back and you watch the movie, you're, you're remembering the movie. Even, she doesn't, I didn't she understand. Stupid. She thinks I'm so stupid, Christina. She's oh, always looking at me so stupid. I wish you were doing this. <laughs> Why don't you give it a go? You do it. You give it a, a the old college try. No, thank you. Come on. <laughs> do you want a spoiler for us? Tell me <laughs> no, what you do thought it. of this movie. Do your best impression of Charlie Kaufman in this. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh, god! <laughs> I love this movie. Yeah. I'd seen it before, which mm-hmm. it's been a while for me having seen the movie. I think maybe the mm-hmm. last one was Con Air. Um. 
Con Air, speaking of which, has three of the main stars. Has three of the main stars in here. John Malkovich, John Cusack, and Nicolas Cage are all in this. Are all in this. Um, I think it's hard to talk about this without immediately talking about Cage. I know we sometimes talk about the movie and then move into Cage, but I think... Nicholas Cage. And when, but you oh. had watched this previously... With Dorian. With Dorian. You, who you might remember. I remember Dorian. I know. Fleeting he's become. Fleeting he's become. <laughs> <laughs> um, but of course I remember Dorian. Um, and you, listener, might remember Dorian <laughs> as well. Um, from our episode of The Rock. And I mm. feel like he's mentioned every now and again on the podcast. But this movie... Well, we wa- I watched it... I don't remember what the impetus was. I think it was like a covid watch like it's one yeah. of those movies that i think a lot of people are like oh adaptation's a really good movie yeah so it's one of those you kind of and dorian's it. a writer and he's and dorian's all like, a writer oh, yeah, yeah, yeah i'm a writer i live my writer life yeah. dorian's the writer and i'm <laughs> <Get> donald <laughs> like i got a great screenplay idea yeah I yeah, yeah. For a million dollars is the three i think it's amazing i think it's amazing and this movie it's a magic trick that's what i think i love about it mm. it really is a magic trick it's oh. almost like a version of the prestige but it's like about oh. Uh, like the making of this movie, oh. it's so good. I, I, and I'm just gonna keep saying that. Uh, oh. But like, we can definitely get into the minutia of it. But I just think, then this is gonna sound crazy. Oh, but you almost forget that Nicolas Cage is in this. Does that make sense? Like, he so disappears into the roles of Charlie and Donald, and he's not like really putting on the biggest Cage performance that like. It's not like the entire time, but like for a fleeting second, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm just watching like this. I'm just watching Charlie Kaufman. I'm you're not watching Nicolas Cage. Like shark eyes right now as you're <laughs> shouting this out. I smell blood. And I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm still like, this is Nicolas Cage. I'm like, there's two of him. It's two Nicolas Cage. Yeah. But, uh, but I thought he did a great he, like, job. He disappears. No, that's what bit. you're yeah. saying. That's what you're saying. <laughs> And I think the That's, people agree with me. I'm sure some people agree okay. with you. <laughs> um, There's got to be someone out there yeah. who disagrees with you. But this movie is crazy. Like, it starts out on the set of Being John Malkovich. And I made us watch Being John Malkovich beforehand uh, just for the fact, okay, our cat is screaming in the background. I bet you I'm can't even be, hear my I'm going to be right back. I'm going to be right back. We're back. The cat's free. Um, look. I was going to say yeah. a quick apology to Justin because I did take a snooze at the end of being John Malkovich. Oh, but and that's it's a, fine. It's not fine. <laughs> that's fine. Why is that fine? Because we didn't, this was not the movie we were watching. I guess, but we did technically watch it for the pod. You were like, go watch this, well, watch this it was for the pod. good to have that context. Yeah, like, it now was. When it I was saw good. I watched room. enough to have the context. But I just mean, that's my my Justin apology. Sure, sure. I'm sorry that I fall asleep at the end of any movie. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't fall asleep during adaptation. You were no, wide awake. No, I didn't. Yeah. Well, I wasn't wide awake. I had some Skittles and some tortilla chips, remember? Oh, yeah. Going. Well, you were sleepy before it, but then once you kind of got into it, you were, you were pretty much active. No, it was exclusively the Skittles and the tortilla all chips, right, I right. was telling all you. Right. Like, okay, you know, okay. All right, all right, all right. I mean, it was a great movie, great movie. But I'm just saying, it's not the quality of the movie. When I'm tired, well, sometimes it's the quality of the movie. Yeah, Ooh. I've seen, yeah. It's, it's almost usually, if, you're, if you like something, you, you'll stay up. I don't want to get into this. Okay. What were you saying? I was saying... <laughs> Uh, he's so good in this but also the movie is amazing and this is part of the magic trick is like you don't really know what it starts out 
being what this is going to be. Like, no. I don't necessarily think, like, people are like, you know the Orchid Thief? I mean, maybe in 2002, but, uh, like, you know the Orchid Thief? They're adapting it into a movie. This is that movie. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, sometimes a famous book, like, uh, Normal People was became a TV show, right? Yeah. It was adapted into a TV show. Mm. And so people are like, oh, I loved that book. Can't wait to watch Normal People. Right. You know what I mean? I, yes, sir. So I don't know how big the Orchid Thief was. Mm. I imagine it was big enough to make a splash to have a movie how much further are you gonna go with this well that's how the movie starts mm. we're on the set of being that john malkovich yes and i'm like what's this movie about i remember the first time watching it, i'm like i don't know what's going on oh i see you see it. now and this then, was your first time watching it having seen being yeah. john malkovich so recommend check that out no, that's not oh. what i'm saying I'm oh saying sorry i'm sorry you uh, realize yes that this movie is an adaptation about the movie is supposed to be an adaptation of the orchid thief right Right? Right. But it's more than that. Okay. It's also about the making of that. Like, having to adapt such a book. Yes. What do you think this movie is about? You tell me. <laughs> I think it's about that. I just don't know where you're going. Well, why are you so hesitant? <laughs> you're looking at me like I'm crazy. You're like, oh, God, there he goes again. I'm, I feel like I'm just talking to you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um... <laughs> No, I'm on the spot. I'm so nervous. You know, if you're feeling nervous and you're in Boston and you don't know what oh to do, God. you should take a quick break like I wish I could do and head over to um, this wonderful restaurant on Nushella. And they're great supporters of this pod. And you could get a great meal there. And I bought myself a little time to hopefully get her to What's to going cool on? Down. What's going on? What do you mean? You what look you so mean? afraid. I am afraid. You look furious. Well, what are you, you look afraid furious. of? I'm afraid of you, Artoon. <laughs> I'm afraid of you. I don't know. I don't know what you I feel like, want. look, let's, yes. is there something you want to talk about that is like causing you to be hung up so that you can't just free flow? <laughs> <laughs> No, I honestly, to be honest, I'm trying to be more free flow. I'm trying to be a little less, a little less like, okay, I got to talk about my things okay, like good. right up top. So I'm like, I'm trying to let you talk, but then I'm like, what's he talking about? Why is he just like telling me about the movie again and again? But I, I think you're doing a great job. So I was, I was cool with just you talking. Okay, no this worries. This is a mess. No, this is fine. Okay, this but is this, is fine. This, this is, is fine. This 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 is good. We are going back and forth on who's charlie and who's donald right now it seems i don't know i so i was reading reading the one of roger ebert's reviews i was reading a 2008 review to be clear this is a 2002 review so that's six years later movie oh right 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 yeah, movie yeah. uh he's he's watching the dvd he's making a lot of references to the dvd which is great um <laughs> <laughs> Roger Ebert being like the DVD is gonna stay, man. That is forever. <laughs> no, 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 no. But um, but he he dropped some casual reference of um how the twins are one pessimistic, one optimistic. He has a parenthetical a quotation. There must be a pony in here somewhere. Do you know what he's talking about? A pony. I was like, what are you 
talking about, old man. And I hate to say that because 2008, we're just like five years out from the great man dying in 2013 himself. So maybe he's getting old. But what he's referring to is that there's this like hundreds of year old joke about a little boy Christmas morning wakes up and the Christmas tree is just like covered in horse shit. And he's like, what the heck? And his parents come out and he's digging through it. And they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, there's got to be a pony around here somewhere. And the and it's supposed to be a joke about like how you can have an optimistic view of a pessimistic situation. Oh, but I'm like, Roger, there, was that a reference in this movie? Was that a thing? Well, like- there's a little bit about horses in here oh what's in the horses the there's one of my favorite lines is when donald is talking about his screenplay the three which during this during this time when charlie is losing his mind trying to write the orchid thief adaptation donald's like i actually have a great screenplay yeah called three (laughs) yeah and he goes it's about a cop a detective and a woman who's trapped they're all the same person it's a multiple personality disorder sort of thing uh and he goes, at some point there's a chase and one of them's in a car and the other's on a horse. And it's like technology versus horse. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this guy would sell a million dollars. Yeah, 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 like yeah, it yeah. does make sense. Like he's not as artistic as his brother, Charlie. He's not as like, doesn't like want to make the best. He's just like, this is good. Like this is yeah. Technology Gone in versus 60 horse. seconds. <laughs> Gone in 60 seconds. But speaking of technology versus horse, though, RRR is a great movie that we've my parents sure, have called sure. appallingly violent after yes. watching it on our recommendation yes. previously. But let's stick to this. Let's, let's stick, stick to here. this one. We've got, got plenty of movies plenty to, of talk, movie about to right talk about right here, right here, yes. right now. Um, I just think it's so... I don't even know if it's brave, but it's just so interesting that, like, you would make this as like your second oh movie like as a screenwriter it's crazy how did this how does this guy work this what? charlie kaufman fellow what do you mean what do you what do you he's mean such you weirdo. he's oh such a weirdo he's such a weirdo what do you mean his first big movie is being john malkovich which already is an insane movie uh-huh right right you agree or you don't agree you're like that's a normal movie I guess, okay, here's my sort of feeling like watching some of this is I feel like the some of the greatest weaknesses of this movie is that like A24 doesn't exist yet. Like I think A24 truly changed up the film game of like carving out and making room for these types of like heady movies. The way big studios like Sony and Columbia, they don't really know what they have. Mm-hmm. Like you you have to fight tooth and nail someone the whole way down trying to get these movies made. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, I guess I've sort of come to cinema consciousness more in a post-A24 world. It feels like that I'm like, yeah, this movie, they're always oh, doing crazy saying, things. You're saying they're, they've always made crazy things, but you're like, actually, it's only for me that I realized that with A24? In a world, you're saying like, in a world of everything, everywhere, all at once, it makes sense that there'd be an adaptation too. I guess. Or what are you saying exactly? Oh, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like you saying that. But well, what are you saying? Well, I'm now I'm not to, sure. I'm now I'm not sure. So we have time. Oh, I'm trying to understand. You're like, 
A24 carved out that space, but there's been weird movies before A24. Right. So what's your point? My point is... And I do agree, though. You're right that studios usually don't like weird movies. Yeah. They're more I hesitant. Guess, I guess my point is, is it feels like this movie comes out 2002. Uh-huh. Everybody's like, it's so crazy. Yeah. We're a crazy movie. And I'm like, I feel like crazy movies come out all the time. So I'm like, all right. It's not that crazy to me. It's just okay. normal amount of crazy. It's, it's normal just normal amount, amount of crazy. Amount of crazy. Yeah. Sure, like, sure. There's a lot of weird movies. A reasonable, expected, I would like this amount of crazy. Yes. Usually. But it's more than base. It's like most movies, especially studio movies, yeah. are normal. Yes. I'd say most movies that audiences watch are normal. Yes. And then there is crazy movies. And then there's also... And like, then I guess what I was trying to say about A24 is that A24 is the first... It feels more like blockbuster crazy movies. Where gotcha, it's like gotcha. everybody's going in there being like, Yeah, we all came here looking for some crazy movies because that's our thing that we're into these days. We're a big crowd of people into crazy movies. I see, I see. And it felt like they hadn't sort of wrangled that audience. Sony was like, I want to have everybody here. Spider-Man and the crazy people. <laughs> gotcha. And we're like, some of us don't get along with the others. So, but what's but, your, your point is that you were not impressed by how crazy being John Malkovich and adaptation are? Not impressed makes it sound like I'm <laughs> some, I'm like that Ratatouille food critic. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm still impressed. I'm like, I didn't make that. You made that. That's a great job. But I wasn't like, oh, this is so crazy. You know, if you want to, like, Charlie Kaufman has blown my mind before with the I'm thinking of ending things Uh in 2020. That, I was like, how did this man look inside my mind and make it into a movie? This <laughs> yeah. is so it's crazy. It's because he first practiced by looking in his own mind. Exactly. And maybe the mind of John Malcolm. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Hmm. I think these movies are absolutely batshit insane, but in like a good way. Like yeah, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. they're like in a bad yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just think like, again, brave is not the right word, but it's just like to be able to like portray yourself as like this self-loathing like kind of sad guy it's kind of tight what i think it's it might be cathartic i i guess now you've trap guard i did not like all the fat phobia that was rampant throughout the film like one of his main things is he's always being like oh i'm fat and i'm ugly and i'm also like ugly people's rights but like (laughs) The fat stuff was more bothering me because I'm like, one, that's fat phobia. Seeing being fat as a negative thing and as uh-huh. something to be self-loathing about, that's fat phobic. It's not good. It's not the culture I'm interested in seeing or representing. I'll just tell you, yeah. that's my own interest. Don't right. don't even interrupt me. Don't interrupt me because I tell you, I can tell already, whatever question you have, I'm not going to like it. I'm not here for it. I'm not here for it. Let me just get through my thing. Let me just get through my thing. Because I also don't understand this is where I'll be more open to feedback from you on, is that Nicolas Cage is not a fat man. I understood. Yes. I was seeing some things that he was wearing a fat suit made of yeah. lentils and beans that yeah, yeah, sprouted yeah. with his sweat. I don't yeah. understand. Because there's also a scene where he's shirtless and you can see once again the bag of ropes that is his back and biceps. So I'm like, what are we talking <laughs> about? He's so uh-huh. fat. No, he's not, but also being fat isn't a bad thing. And then also I didn't understand because I looked at pictures of Charlie Kaufman. He also appears to be a very small little man. I don't know. He's not fat either. So I'm like. So 
She's like, what's going on? I'm like, what? What's going on? So I think, what, I, well, tell me about this. I know you are. I'm just trying to take a breath. You're, you're, what I really appreciate about you is you uh-huh. have, especially with me, and you've educated yourself hmm. on like being much more accepting of fat bodies and fat people. Hmm. And radical fat radical acceptance. Radical fat acceptance and such. Uh, but, well, this is not but, it's like and. Hmm. To this movie's point, though, I think it's not like hating being fat is a good thing. Like, I think, like, part of it is, like, people inherently are critical of themselves. Mm. And I think that's the point of this character. He's, like, he's so critical of everything he does. And to the point of him not being that fat, I think that's the point, is he's not Brendan Fraser in The Whale. He's not even that fat. And, yes, he wore a fat suit because I think Nicolas Cage does have, like, a pretty slim body. And so they just wanted his clothes to be a little bit slouchier. And he does look very schleppy with all his flannels and T-shirts and stuff. That I think the point is, like, this guy is just picking himself apart constantly on things like that. Like, I think, like, when you're making a movie like this, it's, like, it's not about, like, Oh, am I portraying something as fat phobia? Like, it's not like, oh, a fat guy. But this, like, is, it's not uh, like- this is where I have to stop you. Of like, I don't care. I don't care that part of the artistic experience is like, I'm. it's not about the fat phobia thing. For me, my personal morals when I'm consuming culture, and this is just a me thing. I'm not saying this has to be the MO. It should be. It fucking should be, maybe. <laughs> maybe everybody would be better off if they felt like me. Maybe not, because I am really miserable and really anxious and depressed all the time. <laughs> but all I'm saying is that... I'm going to take a super critical lens when movies are like this, super fat phobic, using really fat phobic language, whether or not it serves the script or the movie. I do not think it does. I'm not really going to entertain an argument from you that it does because I think what your argument is is in very much in the same spirit of the recent Taylor Swift music video little debacle that went down of she, for one of the songs on her Midnight's album, the music video, she is uh, standing on a scale and the words fat rise up to see Mm -hmm. her. And she's like, oh my God. And half of the conversation is, it's her lived experience. Her her music has always been about herself, her thoughts, her diary coming to life. Mm -hmm. She has struggled with an eating disorder. She has been in an industry where if she, like, shows any amount of skin over the bone like someone could point out like oh are you Mm -hmm. gaining weight taylor like what's Mm -hmm. going on or whatever on the other hand you have a massive platform that you intend for millions of eyes to see Mm -hmm. and so when you continue to perpetrate those messages of like putting fat up against a very skinny woman body it's damaging it's actually harmful it does continue to create that you can you can create the sense and all they did in the music video was remove the word fat you still get taylor like looking at herself on the scale feeling insecure her devil taylor is like judging about her but you don't like throw in the word fat unnecessarily Mm. and that's my problem with this of like you're just leaning on the word fat to very quickly throw out self-loathing about a ton of body issues and it's not necessary or helpful i think for the movie i think you could do it in a different way doesn't fit to me it's just weird i hear you i i do disagree for me personally and i hate that wrong. we are you're I know so wrong. wrong it's, it's like so sad thing, well, what do you I feel hate... about like the balding like would you be like balding well, bald people's good. rights too 
What do you mean? I felt like bald people's rights were here. I felt so, I felt so like, like I was like, wow, this movie was a great, and I was telling you, it was a great finger in my face for like, why you talk so much trash all the time about him and his hairline? Well, this like, is leave crazy him alone. because it feels oh. like you're, you're not like, oh. you, you seem like, because it's fat. But this is, no, no, wait, okay, actually, no, you're spot on. No, you're getting it. You're, you, you've got it, though. You've got it, though. But he is like that is real and there of like Nicolas Cage has had an erratic hairline. He's playing a character who has hairline insecurities or hair stuff, whatever. Like he but he's has equating taken balding that. to being ugly and terrible. That's his like yeah, that's part of where his insecurity and anxieties come out. But I think it like I think it I think that comes across more as like you are wincing on that and you're like oh yeah i i i just oh i i i don't know it's hard for me to i do think we are entering a new era of more radical fat acceptance but like for watching a movie that we it's you and me our household in 2002 <laughs> like part of me is just like fat has been and will continue to be unfortunately like something that is uh that can be a negative or like a something like a I don't want to be fat like a more of a personal thing and it's a shorthand movie, for well, especially it in this it's movie, a lazy shorthand wait, 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 for wait. it and especially in this movie no one else calls him fat the only person that is like I'm fat is himself mm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. like there's if you remember for the SNL episode we did with Nicolas Cage there's a whole thing where like um I don't remember who it was made like Chris Farley be like, you're a fat little piggy boy. And like, uh. you know, he got on, got on his knee, hands and knees. And it was like really upsetting because like the joke there was just that like, it's funny to make a fat man be a little piggy. What the? You kind of blocked that out. If I remember, you kind of blocked that out. Um, but this, it's like, it's more about like, I don't know. I guess I, to your Taylor Swift point, like it, it does make sense where you're like, it doesn't matter. But I don't know. For me, I'm like, I get it. Like I, I say no. I, I say no. Right, I well, say reject we gotta, we it. You don't have on. to understand. I say move. I won't. Let's, yeah, let's we move have on. to move along. Move yeah. Um, I just think it's. I love his voiceovers though. Like his and and that's kind of. But, but I, and I'm not. I know we said we move on, but I want to say I want to say that like I feel like I felt like with the bald thing. So in it, he's got one don like, like one twin uh-huh. has like his Donald, his, Donald <laughs> ha, has like less hair. Like it's like it's like or I don't know. Charlie which has is. Charlie's balding a little bit more. More and it's like very like see-through bald see-through bald yeah. kind of like it's it's just interesting hair, like they, they've, they've clearly done hair makeup costume yeah, yeah. sort of design he, there he normally does not have that thin hair no yes and we've seen things be changed around <laughs> sorry when you when you jump in so emphatically at the start of me saying something i get so confused because i'm like there's no possible way he could know what i'm talking about so were we talking about something else what am i talking well, continue, about continue. Well, now I'm, I'm a little lost and confused oh but i was i was gonna try to say that when he starts in so strong with the voiceover uh-huh. saying like maybe if i were happier my hair wouldn't be falling out yeah. and like blaming himself for his hair line and being self-conscious about it i was like ooh, i felt i felt very strong pangs of like of like 
guilt and, and remorse in some ways for times I've been like, ah, that crazy old hairline. How dare he think he's handsome? Good. Even though I am, like, he is handsome. Good, good. Yeah, I'm yeah, to yeah. Say. And then I've also had those, like, oh, maybe if I were so miserable, my skin wouldn't be breaking out. Yeah. God, and, like, attaching those things together. And I feel like this movie explored it again when then later on, so... Meryl Streep's the reporter author character. Yeah. Her subject is the orchid hunter. Yeah. Um, and he has like no front teeth. Yeah. And there's a dinner party where her friends and her husband are sort of like laughing and gossiping and he's recounting what she has said about him yeah. and his appearance and his attitude. And yeah. she goes into the next room and she's listening. And it's just a great where it's like things where I'm all for gossiping and talking shit you know me you've heard yeah, me and stuff yeah. but then sometimes and it is interesting doing the podcast where i'll listen it back and hear my hateful little words repeated back with laughter in my ears of like of like it's sometimes the things are not that nice yeah to be said and rehear yeah. but i think this movie does an excellent job of I mean, like, it is, it's himself, but also broadly showing what people's inner monologues can be like mm -hmm. and, like, what they're feeling moment to moment and how it can change from moment to moment. Like, to your point there, it's, I mean, we'll say, we've, I've already talked about Nicholas Cage. Meryl Streep is also Amazing. unbelievable in this. Yeah. So is Chris Cooper. I mean, across the board, the acting in yeah. this is Fabulous phenomenal. performances. Um, but... It is so... That New Yorker party is so good because it does, like... It doesn't... It's punching up because it's, like, New Yorker staff writers. But of, like, everyone's drinking their wine and sitting around and mm -hmm. laughing at these, like, people that supposedly they're the ones who have cared most about. Like, they're like, we are New Yorker writers. We go out there and find the most interesting stories. And then to come back and laugh at it. But it's also sometimes it's fun to just talk a little shit about the talk. weird people is, that you met. Is, of it, like, it is fun, but then that's, it's, that's I thought that, that was, it was is. a good nuanced portrayal of like, oh, talking shit can be fun. And some of it's true and some of it's just like the way we tell stories and stuff. But sometimes it's hurtful. Sometimes yeah. saying things behind someone's back and talking about them made you feel bad. You you're find like, out that mm. he lost all his front teeth because he was oh. reversing out with his wife, mom, and like dad. Uncle. 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 <laughs> and uh, the wife goes into coma. The mom dies mm -hmm. and his uncle lives. And he's like, and I lost all my front teeth there. And you're like, that is one of the most... It's... I, I didn't like cry, but like... When he tells that story, I teared up. Like, it's yeah. like, it's just so powerful because it's, it comes at a point where like, it's not like you see that and then you see that he has no front teeth. So he has no front teeth. He never brings up like that, like I know whatever. And then all of a sudden it hits you. Like he doesn't have his front teeth because he's some stupid hillbilly. But this is what I'm saying of where bald and ugly are really relevant to the movie. They appear, they take shape. Like you are really asked to question throughout the movie, whether this this orchid hunter character played by Chris Cooper is ugly because he has no front teeth or uh -huh. actually is he really handsome because he is being played by Chris Cooper and the, it, there's constantly these little remarks of like of like Chris Cooper I'd say is more of an interesting looking actor no than a he's you're actor. wrong he's he's <laughs> handsome he's gorgeous and there's little <laughs> remarks in like the book recitations uh -huh. and in the movie of like of like you're taken aback by his teeth but then you sort of notice like his face is really like yeah. angular and like or interesting or like like he's beautiful and like so these things are having complicated moments where you are asked to question whether what those are worth to someone's identity and personhood mm -hmm. 
But fatness doesn't come up at all. Like fatness isn't part, but it is like shouted at you and shoved into your brain and presented. That's the issue I'm saying that I have. Nobody brings up to Nicolas Cage's baldness. Or to... It's a part of the... It's a strong part of the character costuming and design stuff yeah. and stuff which is what i'm saying too about like the like the fat suit i couldn't tell there was a fat suit it was you, not i could tell you could tell that like his clothes are so baggy and whatever like that you don't clothes will hang loose with his physique he was just in wind talkers he has a good physique but he's moment. but that's not even fat that's just like padding that's just padding. It wasn't yeah, like he was extra. like, which I'm also like, I think I also am opposed to wearing fat suits. I think that that's repugnant and should not be done unless it's for something like you don't want the actor to be drastically expected to lose a bunch of weight. So you're trying to mitigate something like that. Like, like. You're against like the Dune, the Stalin Scar Scars as like the Harkonnen. Why are you doing this? You're well, taking I'm, you're taking a completely well, that's, that's a brand new example, but that's a totally different. That is a sci-fi movie. He's like a weird like man who like lives in mud soup, and that's I, part of his bath. Like I'm that's not a human person that I can like convey that to okay, and be like, what okay, are we okay. saying when we talk okay, about okay, fat okay, in Dune? Okay, okay. Like that's okay, what I'm okay, saying. Okay. I'm like, you okay, get me I so guess, distracted, just, and then I look crazy like I I'm doing these like long rants. All I'm trying to say is that there was no reason. There's no reason to have the fat through line in it at all. I reject it. I reject it. That's fine, but I think you're wrong. <laughs> no, I know that I'm right, and I know that you're wrong. I know it. Like in my heart like, and my soul. The, okay, but don't you mm. think that men <gasps> who are single, who are trying to date, who are critical about their appearance, worry about them being fat? Like <gasps> I, yes, I, yes. Okay. So that's just what this is showing. No. Yes, I it disagree. is. <laughs> that's where I disagree. What do you think that's it's showing? What do you think it's showing? I think that it's being showing fat you, is bad? I think it... I mean, yes. I think it's showing you it's that... It's not showing it's, that because you agree that he's say, not fat. I agree that he's not fat, but he's saying, like, I, he thinks of himself and fat as if it's a bad thing. It's not... But that's what guys no, do. That's what people but do. But that's because people are conditioned to believe that being fat is a bad thing, and that's not good. That but is I don't bad. Think, I don't think I'm they're poisonous. showing Charlie Kaufman here going... That is the picture of who you want to be. But they're saying that this is a guy who it's totally reasonable. You guys all understand that he would be like, oh, I'm fat, whatever. But it doesn't like, it doesn't like delve into like why or what's going on because there with that. Because he's been conditioned too. Yeah, but but you're still, I'm just saying, but this, this is still This movie is within, supposed to be a portrayal in. of who this you're guy is. In. They're not fake characters. They're real people. Portrayals of real people. All right. We're trying to get off of this, though. We're trying to move past this. <laughs> well, you were the one if you who would just agree with in. me, we would be able to move on. But I mean, yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Well, anyways, yeah. moving on. Yeah. Um, we were, and you were talking about the voiceover, and I was talking about the internal monologues Which, and different. Roger Ebert different is like the voiceover is so good, just like in Bringing Out the Dead, and I was like, the voiceover is so good, very much unlike yeah, the, Bringing the, Out the Dead. The bringing Out the Dead is, is terrible. I think Roger Ebert is having some like rosy colored glasses when he looks, but when he looks back at Nicholas Cage's whole yeah, Bringing Out the Dead, whole thing, whatever. He's the, like, you didn't like it, but I thought the Bringing Out the Dead voiceover was. It was terrible. Anyways, I want to go back to this voiceover and how it's so good. It's great. <laughs> okay, good. I just needed you to hear you say that. <laughs> but I also, there's one scene in particular I really like. Well, there's two. Yeah. Because he spends a lot of time with a voice recorder, like or a tape recorder. Uh-huh. Um, 
And there's one where it's because I've I've had this frenzy too when he gets really excited. He's like, we opened four million years ago at the start of human life, and like you know blah 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 blah, and does it all. And he's so excited and animated. And then when he's listening back to it, he's like so depressed. He's like, this is the worst idea ever. By the way, they do that idea in the movie, mm-hmm. which is so but they've good. done it before he has that scene. He which did is it before he has that it. scene. I think it's a great movie. It's, it's a, a fantastic it's movie. So you should good. see it's that the movie. Prestige. Um, but. That's for when you, at night, you're on your notes app, like when I have a comedy idea, and I'm like, oh my god, this is a great sketch, and I like start writing it down, and blah, 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 yeah. blah, and then I read it the next morning, and I'm like, all I have written down is like, guy is so thirsty, he's so thirsty, and he keeps asking for glasses of water, and it's the funniest thing, yeah. he's drinking so much water. Very relatable. I feel like a lot <laughs> of people have this. <laughs> oh my god. Well, that's the point of what I'm saying, it's relatable, this movie it's is very relatable. relatable. The very other, relatable. I love when, and the, you're not going to like it, but... <laughs> It's when he's talking to the tape recorder and he's like, the movie's about Charlie Kaufman. And that's when it's the first time that you re- that you realize maybe that like this is him writing this movie about this book. He's like, it's actually about Charlie Kaufman. We actually open on Charlie Kaufman and he's fought fat, bald, and ugly and he's repugnant and blah, blah, blah. That's, and then he goes, for the listener, that's not the first moment that I realize the, the movie is about it's, this. It's, it's I don't, I'm, I'm, big I'm getting sent into a coma by you right now. But, oh my but God. And then he's like, then we have him. He's on a tape recorder. And he's telling you about the movie. It's telling you exactly what it's doing. Okay, yeah. And it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> you don't sound like it's fun for you. It's because you it's, like you you're hate. killing me right now. You right now just <laughs> retelling me the movie and how good it was is killing me. It's crushing me. Yeah. <laughs> What, what, what do you want to do? This is a movie podcast. This is a movie podcast. It's a Nick Cage podcast. It's a Nick Cage podcast. And Nicolas Cage. You said you were going to tell me about like Spike Jones or like Spike stuff Jones like that. Spike Jones is also amazing. Spike Jones. What is so amazing about Spike Jones? Well, he was like a skateboard like music video director for a long time. Like, <laughs> he a lot was of, like, a skateboard. skateboard. Spike Jones grew up as a skateboard. <laughs> a skateboard. What's amazing he 13, is how he, he became into a, a filmmaker. Human. <laughs> 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 well, he's doing like skate videos and music videos. He did this like really cool uh, tennis commercial for Nike where uh, Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras are like in a car and they get out in the middle of a Manhattan intersection and they set up a net and they just start playing in the middle. And, like cars are honking, like a bunch of people come and watch and like then a bus like drives through and takes out the net and it's just, like, Nike, just do it. And I'm like, that's a good commercial. Wow. Um, he did like a music video with Bjork where they, yeah, he like kind of takes off uh, uh, umbrellas of Cherbourg. So you're like, <gasps> oh, this guy like loves film and is like, just like yeah. a real, like he likes like cool stuff and like yeah. music like I think that music video directors, for the most part, like especially back in the nineties, are cool people. Like skate video people are I cool people. I don't know. I don't know. But but and then he marries Sofia Coppola. Marries Sofia Coppola and in nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine. Francis gives him the script for being John Malkovich. But he he hadn't. That was his first feature movie film. feature film. Yeah, he's he done was, shorts. He's he done, done shorts, shorts and like some it's his uh, first full length movie. This is a full length movie. But this is also, where I, I mean, I had a, a little soapbox to clamber up on here of, like, the the Hollywood industry is Hollywood a family industry. business. Family business. And Coppola family is strong. Coppola family is strong. And I think it's just, I don't know. It's irksome when they try to cover it up rather than it leaning is, into it, It I is a little say. irksome. But to the point, he rises to the occasion. That's the thing where I'm like, you, you don't have to... You don't have to hide it if your people are actually so good and like yeah. talented. Like, like just 
be talented and know where yeah. he came from. Is he trying to hide it, though? Nicholas Cage? Uh, Spike Jones. Spike Jones? We're talking about two men who have both changed their names. So it's like in terms of like names? hiding their identity. Spike Jones is not his human name. Yeah, I know. But that's just... I don't think he's hiding. He's not like... You don't know Hollywood what someone's royalty. hiding, aren't you, Nazareth? Christine, if they won't go by their regular God-given <laughs> government name, then there's something We were talking secret. about Spike Jones. We were talking about Spike Jones. Right, and I was saying I don't know all of his secrets. All I'm saying oh, yes. is Spike Jones. Uh-huh. I don't think he was like hiding that. You don't think that, but you don't know. But you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we... What, what's going... Are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? <laughs> no. We're in a loving mood then. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, my point was he rose to the occasion. If you remember, Nicholas's brother, Christopher Coppola, directed Deadfall. A, a terrible, terrible movie. Terrible. Flog terrible him. Movie. Flog so him. My point is just square. because you're in the Coppola But speaking family, of Nicholas Brothers, isn't Mark Coppola uh, a body double for some yes, of the parts? Yes, he is. He played, yeah, to, yeah, to be uh, when in some of the Donald's Charlie scenes. He said I love a twin movie. Yeah. Lindsay Lohan, Paratrap. Doing, doing the both. I bet it is. I bet it is because you're like, you're. It's almost like you can't react in real time. Like you can because someone else is there and doing those lines, but like that's not the performance you will actually react to. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. God, it's just so good. It's so good too because like Charlie and Donald. Wait, I'm getting. I wait, wait, wait. I was on my Spike Jones kick. Oh. He then goes from doing being John Malkovich. He gets an Oscar nomination for it. First feature, he gets an Oscar nomination. And then he stays with Charlie to do this as a second feature. Amazing. Awesome. Great guy. Yeah. And you'll love this. You know he co-created Jackass. Love that. Yeah. That's great. Like, he's just cool. He's a cool guy. Maybe. I'd love to work with you, Spike Jones. Please. Yeah! Yeah! Please. Yeah! Love you again. Love yeah! Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, I was going to say... If anyone has ever, like... You know, I would have been interested in working with you, but, like, your wife has said some really rude things. You should be like, I will publicly strangle her. No, like, no, no, I will not publicly I don't, you strangle should, you. You, should, no, 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 you shouldn't no, no, no. hesitate to no, no, denounce no, 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 no. me. If I've anyone, been such a wild witch. And if, if Spike Jones wants to work with you, no, but he's I'm like, you know, you. she said some dumb, rude things Look. about the fat lines in, in hey. adaptation. You should be like, you know, no, she, he'd be like, you should that's get That's actually really interesting. I disagree, maybe. Maybe. But what I'll say is this, Dean. Yeah. I will never denounce you. You should. I'm saying you Regardless should. Regardless of any heinous crimes you commit or anything that happens or anything you've said about anyone, I'll stick with you till this the end. This is why I need you to watch Vikings Valhalla so I can talk to you about some other things. But okay, the point is, <laughs> if someone watch doesn't Vikings want to work with me because of you, they're the losers. No, no, no. I'm the, I'm <laughs> a witch. Not, I'm no, crazy. No, no. I didn't take Wrong. my meds last Wrong. night. I'm saying all Wrong. kinds of crazy things. She's, she's, but let's put her in a... A home in <laughs> Denmark or something. Christina, what are you talking about? <laughs> Let her what are you smell the ocean until she what calms down. About? The point is, is that <laughs> there was a moment during this movie that cracked me up. Uh-huh. Are you? Wait, were you saying something? Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. I, I was defending you from yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome because I'm about to turn on you. What? When we <laughs> first see Meryl Streep's boobs, <laughs> you had a coughing fit. <laughs> It's <laughs> like two minutes long. <laughs> it just cracked me up. You don't see Meryl's boobs every day. <laughs> you like gasped yourself into your next lifetime. Wow. <laughs> um, and as far as other notable chests of this film go, 
I felt like seeing Nicolas Cage's hairy chest was nice and exciting. Yeah. Hairy We've come a long race. day since those, uh, the, so v, since the, v. the V Superman oh, big time. Big days. Time. Much more. Um, absolutely. I love and, and that was a scene that I was, that was also, that was a, uh, seeing Nicolas Cage naked in this movie was so awesome. That yeah. That scene of him stumbling over and sitting yeah. at the desk and it's yeah. like... It, it was very. It made me think of uh, Bo Burnham's Inside. Yeah. Um, special. Yeah. And some of those shots in that, but it, it's just with like body language and talking, mm-hmm. you can just tell the difference between Charlie and Donald. Like they're not like that diff. Like it's so interesting how you said that with the cadence of that was the point that I was saying. Well, no, <laughs> but I felt like, like it was a totally different thing. But yeah, but I I love I mean Charlie has so many masturbation fantasies I, in this. Oh my god, where are you going? I the, think the naked I think like, I, ma- I, I think the next wait, wait, natural wait. thought is like someone should carve a sculpture of Nicolas Cage's body. <laughs> yeah, you're not shocked. I was shocked that you're talking what? about these other things. Well, no, what that's how he gets what? up naked. Is he starts he's constantly naked when he's masturbating. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, okay. <laughs> It's true. It's true. I, I don't know why you felt the need to say it, but Char- it's true. He, he, what he is in this movie is like the best kind of cringe where like, like it's not like, oh, this is a cringe performance. Like he is cringe. He manages to become cringe. Well, I think what's nice about it in terms of it being a cringe but not getting too cringe performance too is that it's mitigated by having Donald of like yes. Charlie being so down on himself and his appearance and yeah. all that stuff too is mitigated that Donald doesn't seem to have those hangups. He has the same exact body face <laughs> yes. appearance and he's still a confident he's king of the fun world. guy. <laughs> he's he's the like the here for a good time. Technology resource. <laughs> Technology, which I didn't, I was, I was like, when he was pitching that idea, I thought he was talking about Fight Club, because I was like, Fight Club, which as a, as in terms of a movie, came recent. out in 1999. Yeah. What, what did you say? Recent to the mo- recent to that movie coming out. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I was like, why are they acting like that's a bad idea when that's like a smash hit well, that's movie, the, but it, but I think it is like, That's it's kind like, of the point, is like, multiple personality disorders way overused. It is um, overused, and, they're like, yeah. and he's like, yeah, but it'll like make, it'll be a big yeah, hit. Yeah, yeah. what's crazy is yes, this movie yes. has the multiple personality disorder. Yes. Does it? There's no Donald Kaufman in real life. Like, oh, but, like, but, but don't like say this movie because that's confusing of like, I think I think you, it's open to the interpretation yes. that there's no Donald at all. But I think the fact that they credit in all of the awards, the movie to Donald and Charlie. Yes. Well, no, I agree with you. He's real in the world. There's no, like, mystical, like, Donald. Then, then why did you say multi-person? Because there's really only one Charlie Kaufman. And he himself, when he's putting himself not... into this movie, he's like, I am splitting myself into two. Okay. Okay, yeah. And funny, in terms of splitting into two, you want to hear a pretty funny thing? That I don't know if you'll like. You seem so, you're really mulling this over though. The splitting himself into two, Charlie and Donald. I think I was I was getting a little tilted because I'm like, no, that's not multiple personality. But I see what you're saying, so I don't want to get into another fight with you about it. But I nice. just, I, I my last note, my last, it's not because that's a complicated thing, and that's also it's now known as like dissociative Dis- yeah, yeah, yeah. identity DID. disorder. Yeah, DID. Like 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 I don't I don't like when we use real mental illness stuff for like what is structural writing mm-hmm. techniques mm-hmm. but it is 
segmenting your personalities and aspects of your personality and creating whole personas for them to live out and be yes. embodiments of. And I feel like when you're screenwriting or writing in general, what many people say is that you put yourself into all yes. of the characters and they're all like even if they're different they're all aspects of yourself yeah. living out in some yeah. way and i feel like that's explored in this movie it's also explored in being john malkovich mm-hmm. when uh there is one sliver of the film where he goes john malkovich <laughs> himself goes into a malkovich world where malkovich, everyone malkovich, malkovich. everyone is john malkovich, <laughs> malkovich. <laughs> all all the women all the people or whatever too and that sort of like that question of like how do you see the world except as an extension of yourself how do you write the world except as extensions of yourself and your psyche and why like writers always like feel like they need to like do the over the top write yourself into meta thing to like get it out of the system and sometimes it feels like it pulls the stopper on letting them then out come mm-hmm. out like Car- charlie coffin can then go on to create i'm thinking of ending things yeah. and it's like that i'm sure too is an exploration of the self in many ways but doesn't have charlie coffin yes in it but i think that's what you're exactly saying it right of like in, in terms of what i think the magic trick of this movie is in terms of you're putting yourself into all the characters is mm-hmm. putting yourself in like in the screenplay, in, yeah. in the actual thing. Yeah. Um, I wanted to bring up to you in terms of putting yourself into the thing and the multiple Ooh. personalities, kind of kind of like different personas. Uh-huh. Did you know that Nicolas Cage wanted to, after his action films, like kind of in the late 90s, wanted to create a different persona called Miles Lovecraft. No. And he said, Nicolas Cage will be a star and he will be in like big blockbuster movies. And Miles Lovecraft will do more indie movies and will be able to, like, kind of be more artistic and take, like, bigger risks. And in a way, he kind of gets to be Miles Lovecraft here and Mm. Nicolas Cage by being both Charlie and Donald. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Like, he is, I think for good, his agents told him don't do that. Because it's not like Stephen King and Richard Bachman. But it's because it's with an author, you can hide yourself. You can't really hide yourself in real life. As it's an actor. so interesting of like, it's a branding yeah. question. And when you were first saying this, I was having a very visceral, like, how dare he? He's already changed from Coppola to Cage. He thinks he could pull the wool over me again. But it's also, like, we would all know that it's not him. Yeah. But it's supposed to set up your expectations for, like, Nicolas Cage will dance the monkey dance, (laughs) as you wish, and Miles Lovecraft will show you the darkness of the human mind like you've never seen before. And so that you wouldn't... So that your expectations would be in line. And I think that that, you're saying like you can't do it, but there's there's modernly becoming more spheres where that is possible too, where I think like when you're a content creator, sometimes like Brittany Broski um, is the kombucha girl does that ring a bell for yeah, you from a meme? Yeah, yeah. when you like have a meme sona of yourself you become uh-huh. memeified versus who your human name is and your human uh-huh. identity sometimes what happens is that can be bifurcated and you can have this like 
online persona personality that is creating certain things but you still would have an avenue to explore like this is what my image of myself as my human Mm -hmm. self is versus I think when as we've seen the era of Nicolas Cage come up and what through old Hollywood used to be Mm -hmm. is like like old Hollywood you have the name and the public image and Mm -hmm. you better like keep your yeah, private life freaking quiet hold yeah. the line and you've built that image similar to the way you might build a clean image as a news anchor now we've got more like like privacy is a really hard thing to maintain mm-hmm. so do you have a consistent personality as a celebrity that we are sort of tracking through your films uh-huh. even despite your ability to do other roles mm-hmm. and like how Nicolas Cage is like in my school of Nicolas Cage, uh-huh. I feel like he is a step ahead of me of trying to point out, like, the human mind needs labels in order for it to be ready for what's going to pre- be presented to it. Mm-hmm. And, like, that clarity and separation will help us to explore further what we can do mm-hmm. in either location. But I still have a very, like... That sort of visceral uh, fear that you have as a teen where someone's being a poser and inauthentic Mm -hmm. and you're like, how dare you like try on different personalities, different identities? Like, Mm -hmm. shouldn't you just commit to one true authentic self Mm -hmm. when like, like the true authentic self doesn't exist because we're constantly like changing changing. and constantly exploring and like, I don't know. You kind of talked yourself into maybe like a that you're like this is fine that what you, you wanted mean? to do that yeah i think yeah. so i think i'm like <laughs> i understand and i'm with his agents of like it was not right place right time yeah people are gonna freak you're out audiences now, will turn on you if he did it now it maybe could work it maybe could work and it could also help me understand movies like the old way like is that Nicolas Cage or Miles Lovecraft in the old that's way? Not, and right. then I'll know where to I, where yeah. to direct my rap. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, in terms of that circular journey you took to get back to, thanks where for started, your patience while I was sort of, of babbling course. through no, 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 it. That's fine. I, I, I love you. As I told you, I love you too, you, but I get really impatient with you, so let's not equate those well, things that together. Well, that's something. If you oh. want to have your like, journey, journey, my hero's journey, it's about you becoming yeah. more patient. That's fair. That's wise. <laughs> I was going to say, in terms yeah. of coming in a circle, yeah. there's a whole really funny scene about a snake eating its own tail, which, again, this movie kind of is a snake eating its own yeah. tail. That's where, like, everything about the movie is the movie. Yeah, it's, so it's fun. It's a great um, movie. But it's so funny because he goes, Donald goes, he has this great idea. It's just about a snake eating its own tail. And Charlie <laughs> goes, what's the what's the phrase? It's, it's a Ouroboros. It's, it's Ouroboros. He goes, I don't know what that means. And he goes, no, it's a robber. Stop saying that. I'm talking about snake eating its own tail. Like it's, <laughs> he says something like, he's like, that's not it. <laughs> that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. It's so funny. It's so funny. This movie, it shows, you know what it shows? It's good. That Nicolas Cage can be really funny. He is really funny. No, I know. But like, if we look at his last, like, he's not funny in Wind Talkers. He's not funny in 8mm. <laughs> he's not funny in Bringing Out the Dead. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, it's been a while since he's turned in, like, a really funny performance. What about as Acid Yellow in Sunny? Acid Yellow in Sunny. It's a whole different thing. It's like, that's more, like, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 you're so right. You're so right. This isn't just being funny. Yeah, it's been funny since Con Air, maybe. Even Con Air, 
Like, he's... He's cool. He's cool. Raising Arizona is raising another Arizona, time yeah. that I would say that this guy, okay, like, so, gets common. But this, this is what's so funny is that Raising Arizona is, I would say, one of the last times we can definitively point to a director who told Nicolas Cage what to do. Yes. Who very tightly corralled him and got a very funny, fabulous performance. And what I read on my MDB trivia, yeah. I don't know, is that this was a role where Nicolas Cage just did as he was told Yes, Mike Jones just told him to do this. But, which I'm just like, this is what, this is sometimes like, what I think is amazing about you, Artoon, as an actor, and why I'm like, he'll make it, he's a star, he has a thing too, is that, and what, sometimes I tell you and you're like, I don't want to hear this, of I'm like, you just need to bring yourself, because you take direction so well, and you deliver so well, even when your instincts, in my opinion, are <laughs> trash garbanzo. Like, like just sometimes, trust. Sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> not all the time. Not all the time. Plenty of times you're a fabulous improviser. You have great instincts there. But, like, like, sometimes great actors need to trust their collaboration partners to, like, or not and need I, to trust well, no, sometimes I never and sometimes I don't know if it's need to trust. Sometimes it, you get lucky that someone else you know what it, I connects think on the right way why, or like and to your point sorry, I think yeah. the reason why Nicolas Cage is such an interesting actor mm. is that he has both done I'm gonna commit to this director one hundred percent whenever he says I'll do that, and been like, I will not listen to you at all. I'm doing my own thing here. Mm-hmm. And I think that is how you get performances ranging from like like it or don't like it eccentric and different from Peggy Sue mm-hmm. to adaptation from like raising Arizona to deadfall where like clearly he's been given free reign mm. and is being contrarian and it's out there performances to performances that are still very good like it's not like just a good performance they're like fantastic performances where he's following the director like he's had fantastic performances I think from both outlets is what's difficult in terms of this and he's also had what seems to be failures from both outlets as well. Hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe. Maybe. Anyways. Um, I wish I had said this more up top for to like people to ease into the film because I feel like now we've, if you're if you're still here by the end of this episode, God bless no, you will and be keep here. you this and is a love good you. Episode. This, this is has a been episode. a I would say a scary journey. It's much um, like adaptation. You don't much even like know adaptation, you're you're story. not convinced if you're trick. safe, but you are. You are. You, nobody can hurt you, even if the story is scary. Um, but to ease you into the story more uh, relatable, uh, the orchid hunter character to me came across as a very like Tiger King character. Yeah. Like to me, it was wow. so one to one. Our modern connection is yeah. like that Tiger King, and how you have the pathos of like. This is a guy who has been brutalized by so many of the American economic Mm -hmm. systems, Mm -hmm. who has found a passionate living in the world through people's obsessions with an exotic organism, Mm -hmm. and like that there is very real danger associated with this yeah. profession that yeah. he has chosen and and questioning whether he is an idiot or someone capable of great uh, mental yeah, he, cognition. He, he, I don't know. Like He constantly goes like, I'm the smartest guy in the room and like uh, I'm the only one who knows how to breed the ghost orchid. And I think what Chris Cooper does so well, he wins the Oscar for this. And honestly, if, I, if you gotta, I've seen Adrian Brody in The Pianist. 
Boo. He's good. The movie's directed by a piece of shit. Boo. But Adrian Brody's good in that movie. I don't think Boo. he's better than Nicolas Cage. I think Cage should have won. I also think Meryl Streep should have won. And I'm glad Chris Cooper won. Yeah. They should have taken three acting home. Yeah, acting yeah. awards home. The three. But it's the three. <laughs> <laughs> but to your point, he and this is something you tell me often, he's not a dumb character. Other people no. view him as dumb. Chris Cooper never once plays him dumb and does play him as if he is the smartest guy in the room. But he is also, like, he does know things. Like, that's there's a scene he's in the courtroom yeah. where he's testifying about certain types of, like, plants and yeah. the law and stuff. And she's taken aback by how much he does know about the subject. It's and... his appearance and his voice that kind well, of... Well, and his, his erraticism. His erraticism and like... his, like, environment. Like, his truck is a mess and falling apart. And you're like, oh, whoever's driving this must also be a mess and falling apart um but he's so obsessed everyone in this movie and there's a great scene where he talks about his obsessions and Mm -hmm. um about how he used to be really into fish yeah but then when he got over fish and he has these lines where he's just going fuck fish i renounce fish and he ends on i'm done with fish (laughs) i'll never step foot in the ocean again the the mix of like comedy with heartbreak is really good it's really good also is, I think as someone who, I am someone, I, and you, oh. we're both people who get very obsessive over things. <gasps> um, like I, when I started playing disc golf, I was like, I want to be playing disc golf all the time. I want to get really good at playing disc golf. I started buying discs. I started like going by myself and just like trying to get better. And it has fizzled out a little bit. Like I don't think I'm as What are you talking about? You've played like, you've you've got disc golf three times this week, I'm pretty sure. On the books. What do you mean it's fizzled? What's happening? But but the same thing thing with you, right? Um, You're obsessed with me, but it's fizzling out. No, no. You get obsessed with things. Oh, yeah. So true. So true. Um, But I think it does capture that like there is something so... Um, enamoring about being obsessed. Like, mm-hmm. Susan is obsessed with LaRoche. And LaRoche is obsessed with, like, the Orchid, or at that time, the Orchid. And Kaufman is so obsessed. He becomes obsessed with this story and how to make it into a screenplay. And then he, by proxy, becomes obsessed with Susan Orleans. Um, and we haven't even talked about the ending. And, um... <laughs> um... I want to credit the right person, but now I'm not seeing if it if it was uh, Ebert or someone else. Where the I would say kind of like the first two thirds of the movie are very much Charlie Kaufman's like anxiety, thoughtfulness, detail oriented, trying to figure it out, like like very tasteful, careful little yeah. displays. And then he goes to his brother and he, Donald. He says, "I need help. I need to just get this get this to Hollywood." And he's like, "All right." And we twist to everything Charlie says he's hated about Hollywood. The car chase, the sex, sex the drugs. drug bust. Like, what's going on? Like, crazy people learning lessons, changing. Like, like, um, and that's really fun. And that's why the credit is to Charlie and Donald. Because yes. they write it together. And, and the idea that fun. they are, like, that he is growing as a writer and adapting himself adaptation he's his own orchid yeah 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 growing in this yeah in this environment of screenwriting in hollywood yeah oh my god this movie it's like i could Great. cry thinking about how beautiful it is also if you haven't seen synecdoche new york if you think like if you like this movie that's a charlie kaufman's either next movie or next next movie with philip seymour hoffman 
forget about it. It's it has a very similar like what the hell is going on? Yeah, stuff. and that one was too stressful. I had to, I was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I can't watch this. Very stressful. <laughs> that movie is like maybe two hours, and I think I watched it my entire life. Is how I feel about that movie. <laughs> um, I don't really know what else is there. I mean, Brian Cox is in this, and is just fantastic it's for fantastic. his like you know one scene. And I did think to myself. In terms of being yourself, this is not really about what it is, but I'm like, that must be what Brian Cox, like, he has such a good, like, you know what? Fuck you. Because this, he was basically playing Logan Roy. Like, he was very much just being Logan Roy. He's like, if you fucking come to my class and do this, I'll, you know, take your script and fuck off. It's so good it's so good when charlie's like not fully sitting he's like kind of like standing it's so good it's so good uh but like i think brian cox does a great job and i love i love 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 when throughout that entire scene there's voiceover going on just being like i shouldn't be here i don't know what i'm doing here this is so stupid i i you know whatever and it's all voiceover of charlie kaufman and you just it kind of like cuts to brian cox going and god help you if you use voiceover in your work (laughs) Any asshole can do that. And it's so funny because it comes so late in the movie. <laughs> After there's yeah, so much voiceover. so much voiceover. And it's the defeat you see in Nicolas Cage's face in that moment. It's, it's so, so good. And, the, and fun lore about it too is that the real Robert McKee, um, one... He's, he came out after being like, I'm not always against voiceover, unlike as Charlie Kaufman would have you believe. Like, must serve the story. Not just tell you exactly what's happening. Um, and that he also, Robert McKee, suggested Brian Cox to play himself. Amazing. That they were considering, like, Christopher Plummer and, like, other, like, whatever. Yeah. And, and when you, I Googled Robert McKee to be like, oh, what does he look like? And he looks so much like Brian. Amazing. It's just such a... Amazing. It's an, such a good casting. It's such a good observation of the self. I don't know. It's awesome. I so much want to be in a show with Brian Cox where he just yells at me. I, I would love that for you. <laughs> um, Nicholas Cage takes a pay cut to be in this movie. Everybody did. Everybody, Everybody did. Everybody did. Amazing. Yeah. I think that's like really artistry. Cool. Like, that's artistry. That's, like, that's, that's like, artistry. Like, that's artistry. <laughs> like, yes. You see a screenplay yes. that's, that's, that is that good? Meryl Streep said this is one of the best screenplays she's ever written. This is also why I was getting all of my bullshit for the old way, where I was being like, show me, I want an audit of uh, the whole budget of this movie to find out what the fuck was going on here. Because oh I think an audit of this budget would be like, everybody was doing their best. And I'm like, yeah. awesome. I love that. Um... Do you have final thoughts? I feel like you keep looking at me. I think you have to watch. Oh, this movie. my final <laughs> thoughts is my other my other tirade was one fat phobia and two I don't like the native representation in this movie. We are really robbed of uh, Roger Wiley over Willie. Oh, thank you, Roger Willie from Wind Talkers uh-huh. is just like a background actor in this movie. And we know, having actor. watched Windhagers, that he's a great actor. So mm-hmm. he's, like, grossly underused. I would say that the depiction and representation of, like, both the Native people and their position in American law, you know me, this is my bullshit. This is the book that I'm reading right now, American Indians and the Law by N. Bruce Duthu, is so good and exposes how, like, 
what you're seeing in this movie is bullshit about like the the Indians are like smoking the orchid. They're like they wanted it for the drugs, and it's like that is a gross misrepresentation of what native relationship one to plants and two to the ability to express their religion spirituality and culture Mm -hmm. has been like in the united states so i was pretty mad about that but that's my we'll see if that uh docks some points off the movie's final score for me just in case that doesn't come out of nowhere shock you i'm just wondering how much because i haven't read the orchid thief Mm -hmm. i just have no idea how much of that is added from the screenwriting or if it's just straight from the book that like yeah 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 you know what i mean well i mean the the finger that's that's the thing is i'm trying to remain level-headed and calm is like there's so much blame to be shared around sure. for that that yes. i'm i'm not going to cancel any one person nice. about it but i will say i was disappointed not happy about it of course please absolutely. absolutely room for improvement those there are my two my two and and this is my room for improvement i would say in pretty much any piece of media i consume is native representation and radical fat acceptance excellent thank you do your inner monologue do your adaptation what do you mean what do you, what do you mean when you say that <laughs> do your like I'm not so good. This whole podcast, it was a mess. I, we were all over the place. Like, nothing is good. I, I don't understand when you answer to me. I feel like I've been doing that throughout. Whenever you start, like, whenever... No, but you got to do it actively right now. Like a, sh- like a show for me. I can't. <laughs> I'm too scared of what will come out. Just I, go my for mind it. is so I'll cut scary. It out. I'll cut it out no, like I don't it. think you will. I don't think you will. I'll cut it out. I don't think you I'll will. Cut out. This is, no, no, no. I'm not a fool. I am not a fool. I'm not a fool. I am not a fool. Do you want to tell me what you thought about this movie? Do you want to jump into the ratings? Do you want to go to the ratings? Because sure. the, the last segment of our show, as you know, our turn is devoted to the ratings. Of course. So we're going to rate the movie out of five stars. And we're going to rate Nicolas Cage out of 10 cages. Five points for his creative, what he brought to the role, and five points for his technical art, dude, what he delivered to the role. Do you want to go first with your rating? Yeah, there's a five-star movie, and it's 10 cages out of 10 cages. Easy. Easy. 10 cages out of 10 cages. In fact, it should be 20 out of 10, because he actually plays both roles so <gasps> well that it's 10 plus 10. Um, but it's more like you got to divide by two for how many roles you're in. You know what I mean? Wow. So, so I, I, that's a 10, 10 cages. It's a 20 out of 20. It's a 20 out of 20. 10 out of 10. Uh, 10 out of 10. And I'd say like probably is going to be working my way at least top five performances nice. thus far. Nice. Easily. Nice. Um, I'm going to stick to my guns and take off half star for the fat phobia, half star for the native representation and let you know that this is a four star movie for me. Um, and I agree, 10 out of 10, 20 out of 20 cages. Yeah. He's just amazing. He's, he's really just... good. He's and For me, it's the stuff where I'm like, I'm seeing so much of what he's done before and brought like the best parts of him. Yes. But then it's being utilized perfectly in the vessel and the vehicle he... that it's in. But it's all, it's funny, it's one of those movies where it gives me faith again and gives me, like, I get to rest back and be like, mm, swimming around in the sea of, like, Nicolas Cage is a great actor. Roger Ebert is also like, he's one of the greats. His name should be in lights. And I'm, he is one of the greats. His name should be in lights. <laughs> but for me, I also am then able to, like, very quickly go back and look through our list and be like, oh, yeah, Sunny was the movie that came before this. 
And also the Family Man and Gone in sixty seconds. Gone in sixty like, seconds was good. No, anyways, no, it wasn't. And he was not good in it. No, he was good at Gone. No, in 60 he seconds. wasn't. No, he wasn't. But he's great in this movie. I think you even give him a high score in Gone in sixty seconds. Well, I, I should have given I, him <laughs> lower because <laughs> you this loved his is opening good. monologue. You were like, I loved that great. opening. I loved and that opening like, monologue. Like, but that's why I said it's like I was good. a problem. You liked how he reacted to Christopher Eccleston. You just didn't like the movie. Don't talk about And I didn't like when he was within <laughs> the car and he was being so embarrassing. Remember? <laughs> okay. That but, that's neither here nor there as I'm doing with In terms today. of his performance here, and to what I was saying earlier, good. like you almost forget that it's him. He goes, When I watched this movie, I really dissociate. I divorce myself from the role. Because it's so hard to watch someone being so cringe. Like, he goes, when I watched that scene, the key lime pie scene, which is an unbelievable scene where the waitress... Oh! Is like, I get you. Like, she's doing nothing wrong. She's no, just she's being, being like, awesome. a fun waitress. A friendly, a friendly, a friendly waitress. waitress who's Customer like, just service. being fun. Yeah. Customer service. Like, and you love it when your yeah. waiter's like a, a fun waiter. Yeah. And he's so into that. And he kind of like... Chokes out like a. She's wait wait wait. She's like she's like he's she's like what do you want? He's like key lime pie. She's like all right, I'll get you an extra thick piece for a preferred customer. Yeah. And he's like, do you want to come to an organ what, conference what, what, with me? You, no, don't correct me. I'm just giving the yeah, summary. Yeah, 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 I'm just yeah, yeah, giving yeah, yeah. the sum. Yes, he's awkward. So Damn, you want to retell? This is what I think is so cringe. Ourselves, our tune is when we're retelling we, back we and forth variety variations of the same scene of the movie we just watched. But it's. It's so no. funny. He goes, watching that scene, oh my God, I'd want to crawl into a hole like That's seeing that awesome. guy. And it is. Watching him do that. Okay, wait. Speaking brutal. of wanting to crawl into a hole, though, is canonically in this movie when the real Charlie Kaufman and the real Susan Orlean is the name, yes. maybe, who is. Meryl Streep's character. It's the Meryl Streep and Nicholas Cage yeah. characters. When they meet in real life a year into production on the movie, on the set of the movie, Nicholas uh-huh. Cage is just like, oh yeah, Charlie, come meet Susan. Um,. She says something like, oh, I'm really embarrassed right now. Uh-huh. And Charlie goes, not as embarrassed as I am, and, like, runs off set. <laughs> and then they don't speak again for, like, another year. Like, yeah. maybe they meet again. So they. this is the part that makes me, like, that's what makes me cringe and nervous and embarrassed is, like, when people make a work of art and they're, like, we're all strangers <laughs> to each other and we don't actually, like, I'm much happier in the world where Spike Jones and Charlie Kaufman are like pals, collaborators, we get each other, you and me, we're making something. Uh-huh. It makes me so nervous to think about the like key critical components just it's sort of like bumping into each other like random so atoms. Funny. It's for me it's so good. It's Crazy stuff. I cuz part of that is mm. I was hearing um Nicolas Cage like extensively interviewed Charlie Kaufman and tried to like get all his mannerisms and tics and like things like that and of course like accentuated different things or whatever. But he goes, when Charlie came to set, I became very nervous because I felt he was watching me try to be him and I didn't like it at all. (laughs) And then he goes, then I would take Charlie out to lunch or dinner to try to just like see how he's doing or whatever and like try to like pick up other stuff. And I felt he didn't like that at all. And so he started doing insane things like taking a menu and flapping it under his arms like a chicken wing. (laughs) Being like, you're going to do that? You're going to put that in the menu? (laughs) The thought of both of these like kind of like... I was so 
mad when we were watching this and you were like, this is me and Dorian. Because I was like, you say this every movie. You and I are watching movies for the podcast you and I have together. And you're always like, me and Dorian, back at it. And I'm like, what the hell? But I feel like that anecdote is also you and Dorian. Yeah. It's like like two chickens kind of walking around. Either one of you could be either role of being like, I'm going to do something crazy and challenge you to be like, what are you going to tell people about this? Yeah. Yeah. So good stuff. Now you know how we feel about the movie. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at KJLQuestion. Send any emails to KJLQuestionPod at gmail.com. If you like what you heard. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Do me a little favor. <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review. For our next episode, we're watching the 2003 film Matchstick Men. We hope you'll watch with us. Listen in. Signing off. This is Christina. And our two Nazareth. And we're asking you the, the cage old question. question. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. I'd like to take his his face off. Oh, oh no, not the beard! A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L. I was a little drunk. Plus, I was horny.